Hey, gorgeous listeners, Miriam from Throwing Shade here. What you're listening to is a re-release of our Purim episode. In the original version that had gone out, I used a term that I really should not have, and I am sorry for that. And I am thankful to the listener who called us out on that, and to all of our listeners for being so supportive and awesome all the time. We really appreciate the community that's built up around this podcast. So we are re-releasing the Purim episode with that term removed, and uh, we hope you enjoy it again. Thanks, everybody. Gorgeous listeners, welcome back to Throwing Shade. Alan, how's it going? Baruch Hashem. Yay, amazing. Okay, so we are just a couple days out. If you're listening to this podcast as it is released, we are just about ready for Purim, which Alan, I know is one of your, well, is your favorite holiday, right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, they're all my favorite, you know. Oh, God. Okay, calm down. <laughs> um, amazing. So Purim, super exciting. And so let's take this opportunity to talk demons in the Purim story in Megillah Esther. Yeah, well, specifically not in the Megillah, but in the story of the Megillah, right? Because okay. there's mm-hmm. a lot of commentary, as one might imagine. Mm-hmm. A lot of questions about the story. So many questions. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Right. Um but yeah, uh, we're going to actually look at a text from the Zohar. There's a few things that are um, that are touched on, I guess, even in the in the Gemara, that are somewhat shade-related with regard to the story of the Megillah. But mm-hmm. this one, I think, is the most, I don't know, relevant maybe is the word. I don't know. Um, but it's, Okay. Um, well, let's take a second. So I'm going to do a quick overview for those listeners who may not be familiar. So the holiday of Purim in the Jewish calendar is coming up. And on this holiday, there's all kinds of silly kids stuff that happens. We make special triangle cookies. Kids dress up. There's like carnivals and things like that. It's a very sort of um, Halloween-esque kind of holiday. But in the meantime, there's this really rich, wonderful story that we read about a um about a queen named Esther who um, ends up saving the Jews from certain destruction in a nutshell. Right. right? Okay. So what are, what <laughs> sure. part of the story, <laughs> what part, encourage you to read the whole thing. Yeah, just, so <laughs> good. So good. So much the stuff book there. Book of Esther and it's. I um, did not at all do it justice. Got lo- lots of commentaries. Yes. And there's romance all... and action and, and villains and all kinds of, Wonderful things. Everything that Hollywood could want. Okay. Yes. So what part of the story are we zeroing in on? Well, we're zeroing in on a part of the story that... Um, so the three of the main characters, again, for those of us, for those who aren't maybe necessarily familiar, and I encourage our listeners to go get familiar if you're not, are Ahasuerus, the king, the king of Persia at the time, mm-hmm. Mordechai, and Esther. Yay. Mm-hmm. Right. Esther is the queen at this point. But the there's a, a question that the rabbis are going to have to answer, and it's going to come about halfway through what we're learning. Okay. Um, it starts with a different question. Esther's name. Mm-hmm. We know that she has a Hebrew name. Esther is uh, a name that's used that is happens to be a Hebrew word, mm-hmm. but up until then is not used as a name. There are some people, who, some scholars who are trying, who I've heard have tried to um, connect it to the Persian name Ishtar, which is yeah. uh, the name of a goddess from the Persians. But yeah, I've heard that as well. 
Um, but that doesn't make sense for a couple of reasons. Uh, however, uh, it's possible. It, 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 I guess it's possible. But it's, it's the idea that the name Esther, which is the way it's spelled in the, in the Megillah in Hebrew, means something in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And this is the question that the Zahar is trying to mm. understand at first. Mm-hmm. Why is she called Esther? The Hebrew word Esther means hidden. Right. It has to do, it has to do with hiding. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. um, So many hidden things. So many big reveals. Right. Um, And uh, the Zahar brings a proof that the word Esther means hidden from the book of Tehillim. Um, But then it answers the question by saying, this is not the main question again, it's coming soon. It answers the introductory question by saying, Shechinte istris la meachashverash, that the Shechina hid her from Ahasuerus. Okay. Um, so Shekhinah, one of the names of God, the sort of the divine indwelling, the closest presence of God that's often associated with the feminine. Right. And the Shekhinah hid Esther from Ahasuerus um, at a time of the, in the, at a point in the story when um, she had just become queen or was about to become queen rather. Mm-hmm. Ahasuerus was, uh, let's say, testing <laughs> who was who going to become a queen mm-hmm. um, with just about every maiden in the uh, kingdom. Mm-hmm. And um, the this is the main question the rabbis have to get, grapple with. How is it possible that Esther ends up becoming queen if she also wasn't um, sleeping with Ahasuerus? Okay, so the premise here is that early on in the story of Purim, um, King Ahasuerus is throwing a party. He has a queen named Vashti. He wants her to come and, as many of the commentaries say, like basically show up naked to the party. Um, She refuses and he banishes, maybe kills her um, and then needs a new queen. And so he holds what is uh, delicately often referred to as a beauty contest. in order to, <laughs> you have opinions on this, Pickles? Our cat is adding commentary. Um, but he, he holds this beauty contest in order to choose a new queen. And um, it's it's not just about the beauty. Uh, he's spending time with each of these young women. And yes. so, okay. And and because it's the decree is that every maiden in the kingdom, it takes years, a process of almost of more than three years, right? For him to so he sets up this this situation and went in which he's basically delivered every single young woman in the entire country and systematically kind of well, it's an empire. I mean, goes through them. Yeah, it's almost the entire world that he rules over. Man, and um, <coughs> uh huh. So um, right. The question the rabbis have to grapple with is how is it possible she becomes queen if she never goes through this right? Mm-hmm. They're, so they're assuming that she doesn't actually have sex with Ahasuerus. Or. Or. Right. Um, yeah, the, 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 let's stick with that, right? They're, 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 like, how is it possible then if she becomes queen? Mm-hmm. So the first the first part of that question is, well, she must have been hidden from him mm-hmm. by the Shechina. Right. Okay. Then it says, V'yahiv le'shedah basra. Mm-hmm. Right? And she, he was given a shade instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. A shade, uh, a female shade, technically. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, 
I'm going to skip the Aramaic for now. I'm just going to just yeah, do the thing. riff in English because <laughs> we're running out of time. Go for but it. Maybe we'll take a break and then I'll continue. Okay. All right. DJ break. Okay. So we are discussing how Esther... Uh, the hero of the one of several heroes of the story of Purim manages to become queen while maintaining her presumed virginity um, and not actually sleeping with Akashverosh in the course of this elaborate and long lasting uh, quote unquote beauty contest. And it turns out that the the answer that the Zohar is giving so far is that the Shekhinah, God's female sort of presence, was hiding her and that a a lady shade was sent mm-hmm. in place of Esther to uh, to do the deed. Right. <clears throat> well, it worked, and that's how apparently beca- that's how she became the queen. <laughs> uh huh. But so she didn't actually win. I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but um, it gets a little bit more politically complicated because the Zara continues that and say and says that this was all done by Mordechai. Mm. Mordechai is. Um, do you want to explain Mordechai's relation to Esther, or do we? Sure. That? So I mean, the, uh, I think you know early on in the story, Mordechai is one of the first characters that we meet, and he and Esther have kind of a complicated relationship. It's not totally clear what their relationship is. They're either uncle and niece, um, or cousins, cousins perhaps, or husband but, and wife, or maybe husband and wife. They're family, mm. regardless. Mm-hmm. And Mordechai, in many ways, kinds of kind of raises Esther, right? Um, and 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 helps her and encourage her encourages her along um, getting into the palace in the first place and um, going through this this journey to ultimately save the Jewish people. Right. Mordechai was also a member of the Sanhedrin, which there was one in Persia mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. He was a, a a relatively prominent member of the palace community. I'm not sure. You know, he was an advisor to, to some degree. Mm-hmm. So he was. A very significant, yeah. It was very much an insider. Yeah, that's Um, important in so many of these stories. You kind of think about like Moses, who you know ends up leading the the revolution for the Jews in Egypt. um, Grew up in the palace, like he was very much an insider and had that had those connections and had that um, had that knowledge. Right, and as such, since Mordechai had the knowledge required to be, for example, a member of the Sanhedrin, um, he knew. a lot of things that were very secretive about about Judaism, including mm-hmm. the uh, Shem Amfairash, the explicit name of Hashem, Ooh. that um, he and other names that could be used to summon Shadim. And so it, it was Mordechai. Yeah. It was Mordechai who was responsible for bringing the Shada instead of Esther mm. to Achashverosh, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, so, the, so right. So the Zohar continues, and um, this is why the Mishnah states this. this the, the Chazal they, in the Mishnah they tell us that um, this is why a uh, man needs to speak with his wife before uh, sex, uh-huh. um, because hmm. she might have been exchanged for a sheda, and so you don't want to risk like, that. That sounds like a solid policy to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so wait. So okay. So Mordechai is helping orchestrate this this demon switcheroo, and 
and the, the Zohar goes to the lengths of like taking a lesson out of this for maintaining a happy marital relationship where you're not accidentally shagging a demon. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's the Zohar, but it's the, it's the, it's, they're taking it from Chazal from, yeah. I mean, the, the Zohar is written by one of these Tanaim. It's written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who is among those people. Yeah. And he's, he's explaining why is it that the Chazal say we need to speak with our wives before? Yeah, why would they say that? Jeez. <laughs> well, according to the Zara, this is the, you know like this is the the, the grounding this text is, for that. This is one explanation for why. Yeah, hmm, that's fascinating. Should we take a pause? Sure. All right. So I think that's kind of fascinating. Um, to think about that that's the lesson that they're taking, that the Zohar is drawing from this whole elaborate set of machinations happening at this one little instance in the Purim story. Um, first of all, that there are such significant efforts taken to get Esther into the palace in order to compete in this contest, which explicitly involves sleeping with the king, mm-hmm. right? But then preventing her from doing it, um, by use by way of a demon and then so sort of pres- preserving her purity virginity whatever it is like her her status as this you know um as this pure jewish woman whatever um but then taking out of it this lesson that in some ways is about consent right like it's it's saying mm. that um, like the reasoning is, you know, speak to your wife before you have sex with her so that, you know, she's not a demon, <laughs> but it's also like, speak to your wife before you have <laughs> sex with her. Right. Like, like have this moment of connection and conversation, um, before you, you know, move on to the next portion of the show. Well, I, I, I agree. I would just reverse it because remember, yeah, uh-huh. remember that, um, First comes speaking with your wife. Then comes the explanation for it, according to the Zaihar. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. It's like this is this is a reason. Oh, uh huh. You know, like, and the fact that like, I agree, the fact that your reason is, oh, it, there might be a shade here, or a shada, right. as the case is, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah, that's 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 interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Well, and I think there's a lot of you know in in the era that we live in with the, you know, hashtag me too movement and all of these abuses of power by different characters coming to light. Um, I think a lot of the Jewish community is turning to the Purim story and reading that in and trying to draw different lessons like this. And it's just a really interesting little kind of micro moment of, um, of reading that relationship into the text and, I'm just I'm just fascinated by that um, and like the role that the demon the, the role that this demon is playing in like making sure that that interaction between the king and quote unquote Esther happens in order to move the story forward because that that ha- she has to win right. in order to become queen right. in order for everything else to take place. But there's but that's super troublesome. Right. This mm-hmm. idea that she has to go and ostensibly like allow herself to be raped in a way right in Mm -hmm. order to become queen allow herself to you know allow something to happen to her that Vashti wouldn't let happen to the previous queen you know right the previous queen said no and she has to go in and you know kind of uh you know help the help the king get over that (laughs) 
Um, and they slide in this demon instead and, um, and then pull out this lesson about, you know, what should really happen before you engage in a sexual relationship. Right. It also brings up some interesting questions about lineage mm. because there is. Oh, a, <laughs> right. The question is. And how now long for something this, completely different. Yeah. But this how, is fascinating. How long does this last? Right. The mm. next ruler of um, of uh, uh, the next ruler of the Persian Empire mm-hmm. is the son of yeah. supposedly Esther and also Achishverosh. Yeah. Daryavish. And he is Darius in English, yeah. Right, and he is. Um, uh, uh, I could be getting that wrong. It's Daryavish and then Korush. Cyrus. I think, I think that's how it goes. Don't quote me on that. I'm getting well. Confused. Regardless, anyway, the the, right. the offspring of Achashverosh and Esther right. goes on to lead the Persian Empire and be relatively kind to the Jews, right? Well, Korush does. Cyrus is the one who ultimately right. brings the Jewish people or allows them to go back to the Holy Land and rebuild the temple the base of mikdash right um yeah Jane no goes, that's that's fascinating so the question there it's about lineage but it's also about how does the relationship between esther and ahasuerus progress right is it just about that one interaction at the very beginning where she's establishing herself as the queen and the demon plays that role for her at the time and then does does the king unwittingly continue to sleep with a demoness mm-hmm. or is Esther somehow, you know, she warms up to Achashverosh and, you well, know, I, I, I certainly lives as his wife. Right. I, I'm not familiar with any Jewish texts that are just okay with that. Yeah. Certainly not before marriage. But then the question is, why would that be okay? I, I, I don't know. That is the answer. I don't know that. Right. Well, I mean, they're married at that point. Yeah, but he's... He's also Achashverosh, <laughs> right? Not, like, yeah. not exactly a hero of the Jewish tradition. Not exactly considered the nice guy. Um, Something considered. Yeah, but I mean, if, I, but like, if they're gonna have offspring, like Esther's got to get pregnant, right? I mean, right. I'll tell you this: that um, if we had more than a twenty-five minute podcast, <laughs> it would be an interesting thing to explore. But for yeah. now, let's leave it at that. Okay. So we'll let our we'll let our listeners simmer on that for a bit. I think there's a lot of really interesting ideas in there. Please, like, take a moment to read the book of Esther because there's so much more in there. And we've just talked about a teeny little slice of what's a really fascinating and beautifully written story, regardless of um, your level of observance or, you know, attachment to the holiday itself. Um, Awesome. Alan, thank you. Okay, Shade Throwers, for this special Purim edition of Throwing Shade, um, I'm going to ask Alan to share one more cool little demonic tidbit from Miguelat Esther. So, Alan, what you got? Yeah, so um, I think it's a perfect segue. We weren't going to talk about this, but I, I think we should. Let's do it. I mentioned we weren't, like, there's this part in the Gemara in Masakos Megillah where it's asking the question. Um, so, it says something about who ruled over. The entire world. Mm-hmm. And there were four kings who ruled over the entire world, four emperors over the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's um, the there's a, a mnemonic, Shazdach, that tells us they're Shlomo, Solomon, Sancherev, 
Daryavish, we mentioned, and also Kurdish, we mentioned. Cyrus, yeah. Right. Um, and so the Gemara is grappling with this question How is it possible that Shlaima HaMelech, the great Solomon, mm-hmm. is, you know, clumped in with all these other Shmoes who also <laughs> happen to, to rule the entire world? Shlomo and the Shmoes. Right. <laughs> that was also his band in high school. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think, like, how is that possible? You mm-hmm. know? So um, they obviously don't settle for that. And they say there was one thing different between Shlomo and these other three. Okay. Um, which was that Shlomo, um, it says that he, he, uh, sat, he, he sat on Shemalach al ha'elyonim. He ve'al ha'tachtainim. Which means that he was ruler also of the upper beings and the lower beings. Mm. And when we, when we want to know about... What does that mean? Of course, we look over to Rashi. And it says, Al El Yoinim, which is the upper beings. Mm-hmm. Rashi says, Al Hashedim. Shlema oh, nice. ruled over the Shedim, uh-huh. um, which we know from other places in the Gemara. Yeah, we did another story about that. Uh, we, yeah, good stuff. We, we briefly touched. I do want to continue that story. We, we'll get back to it. Don't you worry. Right. Yeah. Um, but the Maharsha explains there that, that we know that also from the word Vyashav Shlema al Hashem that he sat, sat on the throne of God, whatever mm-hmm. that means. Okay. Um and he says that refers to Shemaim, it refers to the heavens. And how is it possible that the Shadim are connected with that? Because mm-hmm. according to the Maharsha, the Shadim are in the they're hovering beneath the Shemaim. They're hovering right beneath that. Ooh. That that's so they're 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 in a in an um outward as opposed to inward direction hmm. um elyonim as opposed to tachtainim right? okay up as opposed to upsies as opposed to downsies sure but it's not up and down and directional it's up and down in um, yeah spiritual dimen- dimensional yeah, dimen- okay sure greater, greater dimensions right? i understand better now <laughs> yes okay <laughs> um yeah so that and then, then that's how the marshal understands that when it says that shlomo is sitting on Kiseh Hashem, it's not literally a, 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 a chair of God, a throne of God. It's right. metaphorical. It's about Shemaim in the heavens. Okay. And that he is sitting in a position of dominance over the Shadim. That's what that means. Mm, cool. Wait, how does that solve the problem of him being lumped in with the Shmoes? Because the Shmoes didn't do that. Oh. Oh, so it's, it's, not a, it's not trying to explain what he had in common with them. It's that... He had this thing in common, but he also had this other special thing that Correct. set him apart. Correct. Got it. Right. Nailed it. Right. Excellent. He, he ruled over the entire world and then some. Yeah. Is the idea. Yeah. He couldn't rule over the Shadim, continues. I mean, the uh, Malachim, rather. Uh, right. Because there's the already that job's taken. Yeah, right. By God. <laughs> By God, um, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he says no, because they, they actually dwell above Shemaim. Mm-hmm. Which is that's kind of fascinating. This yeah. idea, like this idea that we've talked often about the sort of um, mirroring of the upside and the downside, and this text is even bringing those two sides much closer together and sort of suggesting that there's a thinner layer between the angelic realm and the demonic realm than Thin, maybe but we've wide been enough suggesting. To have, wide enough to have. You know, the Kisei Hashem, where yeah, uh, wide enough for a chair to fit, so mm-hmm. at least some kind of right. <laughs> um, How whatever the interior designer ran with, I was just on a plane watching HGTV. I'm sorry. 
Yes. Okay. I'm in awe of your even being able to do this after your <laughs> flight. I was just at a professional conference on the other side of the country and it's quite late and I'm very tired, but this was enormously <laughs> fun. Oh, good. Um, and thank you. I always love talking about Purim and Megillat Esther. It's such a great holiday. Should we leave our listeners with a quick action item? Sure. Amazing. Okay. I think it should be have a fun and safe and happy and healthy Purim. Amen. Amen. And if you engage in any sexual activity as a result, make sure to talk Just to your Just talk spouse. beforehand. <laughs> like enthusiastic consent, people. Yes. Yes. Also, if you imbibe anything, like... Be safe and cool about it because we like you and we want you to stick around. Amen. Amazing. Shade throwers, uh, this has been amazing. Thank you for spending some time um, on the planet with us and listening to this. And Chag Purim Sameach and happy Purim and have a great week. And we will catch you next time on Throwing Shade, Better Living Through Jewish Demonology. Catch y'all later.